welcome everyone back again to Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Uh, as always, I am Benjamin Lindsay. With me is Tracy Newport. How are you doing out there in the wide world of Western Kentucky? Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Thunderdome Metal Reviews. I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself? And I'm doing all right. Some frustration that we talked about that have nothing to do with music or anything related to this podcast that we talked about beforehand. Um, today we are here to talk about Power Metal's um, nerdy cousin, Symphonic Metal, in the album that I picked for February, The Abulus in Musica, Euphonic Entropy, which was released on February 14th of 2020. This is a, like I said, symphonic metal band out of Spain. Uh, the runtime on this album was 56 minutes and 26 seconds. Came out on Napalm Records here in the U.S. And the band is, and I'm probably going to butcher these names, so I apologize ahead of time. Gorka Elso on keyboards, Subarero Asnarez on vocals, David Caraca on drums, and Alexi Colligan on guitars. Yeah, these guys are a very Nerdy's an interesting choice for that. Uh, I agree to it to some extent. Like I feel like it's also like it's that mix of power prog that you get in the symphonic interludes with it that just at times can make bands seem like they fit the wall of insanity. See, I didn't really associate this with prog at all, but you listen to a lot more prog than I do. Um, and I don't mean nerdy necessarily in a bad way, but it's just this is to me this is power metal with higher aspirations. Because um, power yeah, I, metal, in some ways, incorporates symphonic elements, but at the end, it, it is really just a stadium full of people chugging and singing along to really cool stuff. This attempts to take that next level into the more um, well. It's in the t- title, symphonic elements. It, it, it tips to bridge that to more classical forms of music, more stadium-ish, but in a different way. Yeah, I will agree with you into that extent that most power metal that you see, especially with like nowadays, like they have this level of cheesiness that it seems like they like try to reach in their writing and their playing. Like you have several of them that, you know, it's the uh, Dungeons and Dragons in musical form. Sometimes you have these really over the top elements to them. And in some extent, that is part of the charmingness of power metal, in my opinion. Like some of it, yeah. the cheesiness, some of them, the cheesier, the better, in my opinion. Right, now, totally. What I do, the reason why I kind of put elements of prog in here is because, you know, you can see in their songwriting, their, in their songwriting in this, and we'll go ahead and I guess jump into the part of the discussion of this album, and I don't know if it's as these guys as a whole for all their albums, because this is the first time I've heard them. But Same. So this will be interesting, because we, I don't know if this is how they write all of their music to where it has this different elements. It's like written for a different format of performance, because a lot of times during this album, I caught myself as viewing this as if it was a musical being played out in a theater. Yeah. And, you know, again, I think that is is a trope of symphonic metal is that it is um, 
a musical theater, a symphony, if you will, symphonic. And that's what I was getting at. It is something to be performed in a stadium as opposed to like power metal where it's kind of get the stadium. Um, a, a simpler and perhaps not the best way to put it is the difference between highbrow and lowbrow arts. With power metal, it does feel more lowbrow, even though the, the difference is the line is pretty thin in that it is to connect with all the people out there and get them pumping. This is more of an expression of musical artistry and is still wanting to connect with the audience, but the audience is different. I picture this more for the people who would go like see back home, the Paducah symphonic orchestra, as opposed to people who would go to a regular concert. I can, I can see that. And I guess for me, like if I was to put this like in a picture format, like typical power metals, what you would see on the illustrations for magic, the gathering card. Right. And this is more of, I guess you say like a live performance theater. I don't even quite exactly mean it like that, but it's, you're getting maybe more of a Van Gogh in the sense of like, there's a lot while you can still see what's there and you can see how it's going about, you see a lot more different textures and the way it's drawn and painted and displayed as to opposed to it's rather straightforward. And here's a image of like fanciful fairy tale. Yeah. To me, the, the difference is they, they might tell the same story, but the power metal to your point would be much more of a video game. Whereas the symphonic metal would be more of a play. But you know, you speaking of video games, um, they have a song in here, Blurred Dreams, that I was like, this would be great in a video game in certain points of a oh, storyline. Yeah. And I was well, like, this I mean, would be great here. But Elucid Chaos, the opener, is video game music. Yeah. And I found myself, you know, my first impression since that's the first track was like, motherfucker, why do all these goddamn bands have to put a bullshit instrumental at the beginning of their albums? Um, but then it was only a minute and 39 seconds, so I was like, it's, okay. It's personal now for you, isn't it? <laughs> it kind of feels that way. It's like these sons of bitches. Not that it, Elusive Chaos was bad. I mean, it's it's not um, Genesis by any stretch of the imagination. But it's just like, why? You know? Especially when it doesn't really feed into the next song. And I guess Elusive Chaos does feed into Race to Equilibrium a little bit. But I just, I don't know. I'm, I'm old, Tracy. I guess it's the answer. And I just don't get it. I feel like, you know, in Genesis with more Prince of PMS, like it kind of felt more significantly out of place there. Like it's like, here's his part. Yeah. And then it kicks into a song. A Lucid Chaos actually kind of feels more like a part of this song, a touch of the song, you know, and rewinding back to your discussion about Tool and their instrumentals here and there that I felt like didn't really feel place. Like, I feel like this is another example. Like, I felt this felt more in place because it is the lead-in. It is the, here we go, we're going to bring you into this. And so I think to a degree, it's something similar to that, as opposed to, like, I will agree with you on Genesis for more Spirits of MMS did seem significantly more out of place. Than I will agree. Did. Yeah, I will agree with you that this felt, it didn't feel out of place on the album as I listened to the rest of the album. So I agree with you there. It's just I like those musical parts to be interludes, not your first introduction. And maybe that's because I was listening to this band for the first time. Who knows? Maybe they do this on every album. I don't know. But having never heard them before with my first 
listen to them being this instrumental. Eh. I mean, like I said, it was short, but it was just long enough to, for me to be like, fuck, but then it was over. So I was like, oh, okay. So if you don't mind me asking, um, with you, this being your first time hearing them, I assumed when you picked this, you'd heard their previous albums and you had been a fan of their work. So I'm kind of interested in your thought process on choosing this one. Well, A, we haven't done any symphonic metal to this point. And I like the t- the name of the band, you know, bluntly. Call back to Slayer? <laughs> yeah, the call back to Slayer. I mean, you know, it's just uh, so when, when I was thinking about what album I was going to pick that came out in February, I almost picked Sepultura. I did. Yeah, but then I was like, you know what? I don't want our first Sepultura album that we do to be that lineup. Because no offense to that lineup, to me, that they will never be Sepultura, despite the fact that they've been together in that lineup longer than what I consider Sepultura to have been a band. Um, so that was part of it. And you know, I was looking at stuff, and I was like, oh, I've never heard of that band. I don't listen to a whole lot of symphonic metal, so that will be cool. That will be something different than all the other stuff that we're doing. Okay, okay. That's, that's, that makes perfect sense to me, and it's... And I'm particularly glad you chose this album because it means I wouldn't have to debate choosing it for mine or not. <laughs> oh, but uh, this album is a considerably different touch, taste, feel than I think than really anything we've done so far. Oh, yeah. Looking back. Fault. I mean, even the power metal that we've done, which we haven't done a whole lot of. I mean, Sabaton jumps to mind, but I don't know that we've necessarily done anything else that I would strictly call power metal. Um, yeah, this is vastly differently topical wise, or at least in the feel of the music, because some of the lyrics are in Spanish and I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know exactly what the topics of the songs are, but it just feels different and sounds different than the other stuff that we've done. Yeah, it it definitely does look, feel, sound. It's different contextually in just about every other way. Just looking off the top of my head, just looking at it and kind of like what have we listed that comes close. It this comes across almost as this. So we're Darling and Sabaton had a kid, and this is kind of the closest we could get from it is the mixture between them two. Mm, Yeah, but it kind of rejects a lot of the gothic elements of So Darling. I mean, I agree. um, Yeah. It's the it's the the prep band kid of Cellar Darling and Sabaton. The you one know what if they the did a tour? Squad. If they did a tour with Dabao's music opening with Cellar Darling and Sabaton, I, I'd I'd go to it in a heartbeat. Actually, I just saw a thing where Sabaton is touring with somebody, and I was like, holy fuck, I might have to go see that. It might be Judas Priest. Let me look that up while you tell us more about your thoughts. Okay, so for me, this album reminded me a lot of, I don't know if many people have seen it, but it's kind of a cult hit in the Repo Men opera. Or Repo oh, Men opera. Repo, Repo the genetic opera, is that the yeah. one? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. musical there with like, it had like the doctor and the darker industrial sound and elements to it. Like it reminded me a lot of that going on, minus the Paris Hilton singing. And... For me, I just go ahead and jump into it. I really enjoyed this album in the style that they did it and how they played. And you get this very, even for a non-visual context of a music, 
it still provides a significant visual feel to it in that you can easily close your eyes and listen to this and envision a play happening, a musical happening in which she's singing and dancing and all these elements. And you can kind of see that some of these songs are really structured like musicals and where like some of the verses don't quite line up traditionally like they normally would with songs. And the choruses, even to an extent, kind of come and go at random times and places. And I really enjoyed that aspect of this and that this album, in a sense, goes about doing symphonic metal and power metal differently than what I'm used to. Now, granted, I haven't spent a lot of time significantly listening to Nightwish, but what I have heard of it, like you have two very different, distinct styles of doing it. In which Nightwish, to an extent, seems like they take a very much more classical approach to their songwriting. And like you kind of get like a more of a Mozart, Beethoven. And this is providing more of a modern day twist on that thematic and themes and just how they present themselves. Like I can continuously see the lead singer and as while she's singing, like spinning around in a dress and singing along with it while kind of like talking to like in a sense there's uh and like rosario dawson and rent singing to one of the other characters in there and that's what really stuck out to me throughout this album um yeah i i think that that's kind of fair i also think that it might just be a different strand it might be influenced by more um again theatrical elements than the typical symphony but I haven't seen these people live, so I can't say that that's what she does. But I do kind of get that feel. Yeah. Um, um. Well, like, I will say, like, I'm interested enough to see if this is, like, an old, like, branch of its symphonic metal to kind of dig deeper into that lane there and see what else I come across. Or if these guys are kind of out there on their own, kind of doing some things here and there and mixing and matching elements. Yeah. Yeah, and we'll have to get a lot more into this genre of metal to really be able to tell that. Because um, even though I do, I have listened to Nightwish, and I have listened to some other stuff that kind of straddles that line between um, power metal and symphonic metal, I'm not well enough versed in it to really say how different this is from the typical um, symphonic metal album. So... um was there anything you didn't really care for in this album or came across that kind of stuck out to you that you wouldn't want to do besides the opener? I didn't like the lack of aggression. As we know, I like some of my metal or most of my metal pretty angry. And maybe there is some anger in some of this, but if it's so, it's under that um, symphonic metal sheen and it just didn't feel that way. It's very good, but I, I, I didn't get a sense of anger anywhere this was almost an, and it's kind of i will sum it up in the misfit swing which i think is the first single that came off the band uh, off this album excuse me because i think i've seen a video for it somewhere and i didn't watch it i just saw that there was one but this has a very carnival-esque feel to it and it's a little bit of a, a trickster's edge but i didn't really feel like i said any anger um which you would not want in a carnival I add parenthetically, even a dark one. But I missed that. 
don't don't bring up the dark carnival. We don't need that ICP juju on us at the moment. Wicked clowns, baby. Uh, I will agree in that this album doesn't seem very aggressive, but for me, that's fine, especially for the tone that they played in. And I actually feel I feel like the carnivalness and kind of like the uh, the carny aspect of it that comes across actually does is a strength for this album. And I'm just. I can't really think of much that I didn't care for. I don't feel like this album really drug on too long. Like maybe the last song, it might've been a little bit longer, might've pushed it over the edge, but I feel like up until like one step higher blind muse, I didn't feel like this album had overstayed its welcome. So maybe that in the vortex kind of might've been a little too long in my taste, but it it comes in at 56 minutes, which for me is a relatively comfortable album length. Well, and it has 12 tracks, so that helps out a lot. So none, nothing other than that opening is really short. Everything else is um, over three and a half seconds long. Um, one last gloomy dance is over seven minutes, but everything else stays between like three and a half and five minutes and 20 seconds. So I didn't think it was too long either. I thought these that for the length of this album, these songs were well-placed um or not well-placed um well-paced um and well-placed because i didn't have any problem with the sequencing of the album either i thought that the highlights for me were the tracks that they sang in spanish like nuevo rumbo um and i can't remember the some of the names of the other ones but i liked that yeah yeah otoy that's a good one too um I thought those were just a little bit better than some of the English, full English language songs. But again, your mileage may vary on that. For me, my favorite track on this album is actually the single. There's just something about that, that carny vibe, that trickster, that. Oh, I love how she introduces that, the way that she's just kind of humming the melody line and everything and kind of comes into it. I love that. Oh, it's it, that's wonderful. And then you also kind of like, to quote my grandmother, kind of like a harlot kind of sense with this. Like, you kind of get that vibe from this album. And it's an <clears throat> interesting twist on, like, you know, the popular swing dances from the jazz in the early 1900s, in the early, like, 20th century, that you're kind of seeing, like, a carny twist on this because you can still see some of the timing the pacing and the tempo still eerily lines up with those. And you can easily see somebody doing like some kind of like dance along with that throughout this song. And I found that really surprising, amazing and wonderful. (laughs) But I, I will say that for me, that's easily the best song in this album and the rest are a bit of a step down. I agree with you. A toy and Nuevo Rumbo are great. Race to equilibrium is a nice, full-on introduction for the song, and I feel like Blurred Dreams has a very sonic approach to it, I think, that kind of, like, it gets you thinking without saying a lot. Yeah. It's like a very minimalistic approach to it comparatively for the rest of the album. Yeah. And I think that that early 20th century swing slash 
kind of jazz influence on this album is what you were talking about when you were mentioned modern earlier. Because uh, well, I think a lot of times when we talk about symphonic metal and when I say the things that I said about it in the beginning, we picture like the old symphony orchestras or Mozart and Beethoven, whereas this still kind of has that feel and takes itself somewhat seriously in that way, but it's introducing these jazzier, swingish elements to them, which really freshens up the sound. Yeah, I, I'll agree. And that's something you don't really come across a lot in, especially metal, is this mm-hmm. jazzy influx, which you're starting to see it now some with Thank You Scientists, with Rivers and I held their last album, had some saxophone involved with it. And now you're getting, you have this one. I'm sure there's probably more, but these are the ones I can think off the top of my head that introduced like this jazz infused kind of, because, uh, you know, jazz has always been associated with more of a chaotic sense and not so much standardized. And I think that applies here. Well, I think that's also in the album title, Euphonic Entropy. So I, I feel like if their album title is a mission statement, I feel like they have achieved their mission statement. No, and this was... Um... This is not something that I would listen to a whole lot, but it was refreshing to get to listen to it. I'm glad that there's kind of this kind of stuff out there, even if I'm not the biggest fan of it. Yeah. So um, I've got a feeling we want to go ahead and jump into grades that we'll probably be different in our grades on this one. Yeah, I mean, it happens. You want me <laughs> to go first? Uh, sure. Um. I like this. I think that the musicianship is really good, and the lead singer, whose name I fucked up at the beginning, so I'm not going to try and uh, pronounce it again, her voice is very good. Last year when we did um, Cellar Darling, and what was the other band whose female vocalist I really liked? Heart. Oceans of Slumber with Candy. Oceans of Slumber, yes. Can't, thank you. Um, she's not on their tier, but she is just a couple of notches below it and i i found her voice to be enchanting especially the way that she used it here in that playful um seductive but also you know somewhat dangerous although not aggressive way so i was a big fan of her voice as an instrument in this music i'm actually surprised that there's only one guitarist listed for this album which means makes me think that they did a lot of um overdubbing and multi-tracking the, the guitarist, because I thought that there were at least two guitarists on most of the, these albums. So, yeah, like, I'll be interested to see how they perform this live. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Um, with all that said, I kind of feel this the way that I did, and it's no surprise, you know, accident that I mentioned them earlier, Sabaton. This is an incredibly competent symphonic metal album. If you are really into symphonic metal, you will probably like it better than I did. Um, so I'm giving it a B plus. All right, understandable. Um, for me, I really enjoyed all these, the chaoticness. I feel like this album in a sense represents that the jazz swing infusion that kind of comes across in the writing and in the style that they play. I love her vocals. I enjoy, like this album constantly felt, made me feel like, and every time I go back and listen to it, I feel like I find something new to enjoy in it, something that sticks out a different time. Uh-huh. It keeps me on my toes. It keeps me wondering. 
So for me, I am going to place this, give it an A. Only I figured you were going to go with an A plus the way you were talking about it. I, I contemplated it. I'm contemplating it. Like, it's definitely in consider. I've already, I put it on the best albums of 2020 already. It's on that list now. I'll sure, see how yeah. it goes and kind of grows and compares throughout the rest of the year. But right now, at the moment, I'm giving it an A. I really enjoy what it give, brings to the table. I'm definitely interested in their back library. I'm throwing them onto the black hole of a playlist that I have <laughs> and come hopefully come across them more as I listen. But this was a... Very different journey than what I expected when you first picked it. Yeah, I don't know what I was expecting when I first picked it, but I, this is not exactly what I thought it was going to be. Um, I, you know, when I peek behind the curtain, we're only two months into the the. Well, I guess we're technically we're recording this on the first day of the third month, so we're only two months into the year. But I would have to agree with Tracy. Out of the new stuff that I've listened to this year, which has not been as much as what he has, but it's probably been a good ten to fifteen albums so far. Um, this is in the, the top half. Well, actually, probably even the top fourth. I'd say it's in the top five or six albums that I've listened to so far this year, even though I'm not a huge fan of this style. So I definitely say check it out. And I like that they bring about a sense that they're writing in style of like a sense of competence and confidence, and that they're like, hey, we're going to do this something really crazy, different, and you probably won't expect it. And we're going to go for it and see if it lands. And I would say most of the time, 99% of the time they did this, it landed. And I like that kind of sense of experimentation and being comfortable with themselves to try it. Right. And just to be clear, this is this band's fifth studio album. Now, I don't know how long this lineup has been together, but uh, these guys have been at this since 2009. Um, anyway, uh, that's when their demo was released. So they've got fuck 11 years doing this and succeeding at a fairly high level so yeah if you haven't heard of them and you like power metal or if you just like something different definitely give them a shake i would say it's kind of like a very good palate cleanser like if you're stuck and you're listening to the same thing over and over again i feel like you can find something in this album for just about everybody outside of purest elitist particular metal genre fans like outside of those i don't think they'd find particularly what they're wanting for in this album but for people who have a very broad taste in metal i feel like they can find something that they enjoy in this yes and just to close the circle on something i mentioned earlier judas priest is going on their 50 years of heavy metal tour and they are bringing sabaton with them to 24 cities across north america milwaukee happens to be one uh, I, I, I looked at the tour. Yeah, I looked at the tour dates. They have one in St. Louis, but it won't work for me. Yeah. <sighs> so you enjoy your tour seeing Halford. I will. He's great. I've seen him before. <laughs> I feel like you'll definitely go on that one. Um, probably. Yeah, me and Buck will probably go to that. So, anyway, thank you. Do you have anything else you want to say about this album or anything um, else? Nothing in particular that I want to say about this album or add on, but that's outside of pushing again. Give it one spin. I'm sure you'll find something that you enjoy in it. May not be particularly what me or Ben enjoyed in this, but I feel like they have a, they paint with a broad enough brush that you'll kind of come across something that you like of theirs. 
Yeah, I would think so. Um, it, unless you are just completely not into symphonic metal or power metal and, and find those sounds anathema to you, and in which case I would stay away from it. But otherwise, yeah, give it a shot. Yep, agreed. All right, well, tell them what we're doing next time we get together. Next week we get uh, the next time we get together, not next week, since we're doing two a week now. <laughs> Old habits die hard, I guess. For sure. But next time we get together, we are t- rewinding again back to the year 1980 and looking at the release of Diamond Head of Lightning to the Nations. Yeah. Otherwise known as the White Album, because it was originally released without an album title, and it was just given the title of the first track. But yeah, we hop in that Wayback Machine to an album recorded in 1979 and released in 1980. We thank you for sticking with us thus far through our journey through the Church of Heavy Metal, and hope you will be with us when we open one of the old hymnals. Thunderdome Metal Reviews. Sa, 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 sa. <laughs>